0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community. Good morning, friends. It's good to be with you today on the first Sunday of Lent. Lent is a special time of year. Lent is essentially the 40 days leading up to Easter, starting with Ash Wednesday, And thanks to Ian for his words this past Ash Wednesday. Uh, It's a season in the church calendar when we take time to recognize our mortality, to confess our sin, to live simply and humbly before God. And today we're starting a new sermon series, a Lenten sermon series, that will take us through right to Easter. And we're calling it simply, The Way. We're going to walk with Jesus on his journey toward the cross. And during this sermon series, we get to become a little bit like pilgrims as we retrace the steps of Jesus on this journey. It's a journey that will take us to some very important places, uh, to the wilderness, to Jerusalem, uh, to the Mount of Transfiguration, to the Mount of Olives, to Golgotha, and then eventually to the empty tomb. And as we walk with Jesus on this journey, you know, we're not only going to be considering Jesus's journey, but our own journeys. Because you see, if we're following Jesus, we have to go where he went. Are we willing to do that? Are we we willing to walk not in our own way, but in the way of Jesus? So today as we kick off this series, we're going to look at The moment in Jesus' life that begins his journey toward the cross. The moment when he steps into his public ministry. I'd like to title this sermon, The Way to the Jordan. Because the journey toward the cross starts with the journey toward the River Jordan. And for clarity's sake, I'm going to divide this sermon into three parts. Um, The journey to the Jordan, the baptism at the Jordan, and the blessing at the Jordan. So let's start with Jesus' journey to the Jordan. Would you read with me uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 13? Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. Well, that's a pretty simple, straightforward statement, but I want us to stop right here because there's a lot more in this verse than meets the eye. Jesus is about 30 years old and he has lived all of his life in Galilee except for a time when he and his parents fled to Egypt as refugees because of King Herod. Now we don't know much about Jesus' childhood in Galilee other than the birth narrative. All we, we have is one incident where he was separated from his parents and was found a few days later in the temple talking with the scholars about the things of God. Apart from this, the scriptures don't say anything about Jesus' youth except that he was obedient to his parents. Um, And Luke says that he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. All we know about his young adult years is that he was a carpenter. That's it. Apparently, he lived a pretty quiet Galilean life. So when Matthew writes here in verse 13, Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River. This is a movement that we need to pay attention to. This is a departure from the past and a stepping into something new. We know this because after the baptism, Jesus led a very different life. He didn't go back to his old life in Galilee. I wonder if any of you who are listening have recently made a career change or are contemplating a career change. If that's you, You're in good company. When Jesus went to the Jordan River, he put his carpentry tools down. He packed them up, he put them away. If he had been employed, he would have had to have given notice. If he had been in business with his father, he would have had to settle his business affairs. This was a step of faith. This was a turning point in his life. Well, the trip from Galilee to the Jordan River would have been about 70 miles. And here's a question for you Fitbit folk. Um, How many steps does it take uh, to walk 70 miles? Personally, I I have no idea. Let's just say a lot. Um, For Jesus, each one of those steps toward the Jordan River was a step away from his old life as a carpenter a step away from living with his family, a step away from life in the town where he grew up and where he knew everybody and everybody knew him and he found favor in their eyes. At the same time, each one of those steps was a step toward something new, a step toward a new life in places where people didn't know him, a new life where he didn't always know where he was going to rest his head at night, a new life where he traveled as an itinerant rabbi and prophet announcing the kingdom of God. I wonder what Jesus would have been thinking about on that road as he set his gaze toward Jordan and as he walked those 70 hot and dusty miles. Well, let's move on and look at the next few verses about Jesus' baptism. Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. Now John, of course, is John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. The son of Elizabeth and Zechariah. And John had been living in the desert wearing clothes made out of camel hair, eating locusts and honey, and John was a prophet. He was preaching a baptism of repentance. He was essentially paving the way for the Messiah. And then one day Jesus shows up. And I love the way Jesus shows up. According to the Gospel of Luke, When Jesus came to the Jordan to be baptized, there were crowds of people who had gathered to hear John's message and to be baptized. And so Jesus waited. It's at the end of the day, only after John has finished baptizing the crowds, that Jesus comes to John to be baptized himself. Did you catch that? There were a lot of people who wanted to be baptized, and Jesus deliberately chose to go last. I absolutely love that detail. Later, Jesus would preach to his disciples, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. And here, in the very first move of his public ministry, he is embodying this truth. And this is a picture of Jesus' patience, his humility, and his love. Now, John the Baptist was calling people to repentance. He was inviting people to be baptized as a sign of turning away from their sin and turning toward God and his salvation. So we might wonder why Jesus needed to be baptized since he was sinless. He didn't need to repent. Well, baptism wasn't just about repentance. It was also a rite that priests underwent as part of an ordination ritual. We see in the Old Testament that Moses baptized Aaron and his sons, when they were ordained as priests. And we know that Jesus took on the role of priest as a mediator between God and people. Um, The book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the great high priest. So on one level, this baptism is about Jesus stepping into his priestly role as he entered public ministry. Jesus was submitting to the Father's call on his life. He was saying yes to the Father's invitation to begin his journey toward the cross. You know, when we're baptized, a lot of things are happening at the same time. We're publicly repenting of our sin. We're declaring our desire to turn from evil. We're placing our trust in Jesus, and we're committing ourselves to following him. But we're also doing something else. We're also stepping into a priestly role, As Peter says in his first epistle, all who follow Christ are part of a royal priesthood. God hasn't just called us to believe in him, but to be mediators between him and those around us. Now that might sound like kind of a big deal, like something only people who are ordained and in professional ministry get to do. But if you've ever prayed for anyone, you have stepped into a priestly calling. You've stood in the gap on their behalf and mediated between them and God and that is what a priest does. If you've ever shared your faith with someone to help them see Christ, you've stepped into a priestly calling. And if you've ever rolled up your sleeves and served someone in a way that helped them to see God's love for them, you've stepped into a priestly calling and that is part what baptism is about, saying yes to our priestly calling. So when we come to the Jordan and we say, yes, I believe in Jesus and I want to follow him, we're also saying, yes, I will live a life that stands in the gap for others as a priest, following in the footsteps of Jesus, my high priest. I want to stop here and ask you a question. If you're someone who's curious about Jesus, but you're not sure if you believe in him or what you believe about him, will you come to the River Jordan and listen? Will you watch? Will you be like the people, the crowds, who came to listen to John preach? You know, John told the crowds, he said, anyone who has two shirts should share with one, who has, who sh- sorry, who should share one with those who have none. Anyone who has food should do the same. When tax collectors were there, they asked John, what shall we do? And he said, don't collect any more than you're required to. Because you see, tax collectors were notorious for taking advantage of people, for charging extra and pocketing the difference. And when some soldiers asked John, what should we do? He replied, don't accuse people falsely. And when the crowds asked John, are you the Messiah? He said, "I baptize you with water, but one who is but one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with holy spirit and fire." So I ask you, friend, listening today, you who are curious about Jesus, Will you come to the Jordan and take time to listen? Will you take time to consider the words of John as he preaches the message of God and paves the way for Jesus? And will you perhaps also do what he says? Will you live justly and rightly in a way that honors others in God? Theologian um, Kenneth Boa says, the more we obey God, the more we come to know him. Let me say that again, the more we obey God, the more we come to know him. If you're not sure you believe in God, if you haven't met Jesus, why not do an experiment? Obey his commands, obey his commands and see if you don't encounter him in the process. Secondly, if you're a follower of Jesus, I have a question for you. Have you allowed God to help you see yourself, not just as a believer, a follower of Jesus, but as a priest, as someone God has called to be a mediator, to pray for people, to stand in the gap for them, to help them to see him more clearly by your words and by the way you live? When I first became a follower of Jesus, a friend whom I looked up uh, to in the faith very much uh, shared something with me that has stayed with me. He talked about the fact that uh, when we follow God, when we live for God, God brings many different people into our life for many different reasons and we don't always know what those different reasons are. But there's always one reason that applies across the board and that's this, and, that, and this is what st- stays with me. He said, God brings people into our lives so we can pray for them. He brings people into our lives so we can pray for them. I have the high privilege, and so do you, of praying for absolutely anyone and everyone we see and knowing that God hears our prayer and is pleased to make a difference in their lives through our prayers on their behalf. And that is just one part of being a priest in the royal priesthood. If you are a follower of Jesus, have you allowed God to help you see yourself, not just as a believer, but as a priest? Let's take a look at the last two verses in this passage where the Father blesses the Son. Verse 16, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, "'This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy.'" What an affirmation that is. The heavens open, the voice of God is heard, The spirit descends visibly in the form of a dove. The father is showing off his love for his son. He is showing off the pleasure he takes in his son and the deep joy that his son brings him. You know, this moment of of divine affirmation when the heavens open, it really could have taken place at any point in the life of Jesus. It could have taken place when Jesus was fasting in the wilderness for 40 days. It could have taken place when he was preaching in the synagogue or after he healed a paralyzed man or even as he was hanging on the cross. But no, this moment of divine affirmation when the heavens open, it takes place at the Jordan, at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, before he has done any of these things. You know, Jesus didn't have to do anything to earn God's favor And nor do we. We already have his favor. He delights in us right now before we do anything to serve him. We are a source of very real joy to the Creator of the heavens and the earth. His affirmation of us, when it comes, it's not the reward for our good works. It's the foundation for our good works. It's not the reward for our good works. It's the foundation for our good works. When that affirmation comes, it's fuel, it's strength, it's grace that we can draw on and draw on when things get tough. We need to hear that voice not at the end of our lives when we're looking back on our days. We need to hear it at the beginning of our walk with God. We need to hear it at the Jordan. So what does the father say when he blesses Jesus here? He says this is my son and in the Gospel of Luke the father actually addresses Jesus directly he says you are my son. So what's the father doing here? Well on the surface he's telling Jesus who he is. Uh, he's telling him that it is good that he is who he is. And, you know, you'd think Jesus would have known this information already, and and surely he did. But there's something really important and beautiful happening here. The Father is bestowing on Jesus the gift of identity. You know, as a child, you know that you're your father's son or your mother's daughter. But what a beautiful thing it is to have them proudly proclaim you as their own in front of others how transforming it can be when a parent makes it clear in the company of others in a very genuine way how much joy that parent takes in his or her child i think we need to pay attention uh, to this because you see our identity is not something we establish it's not something we construct on our own it's a gift and it comes from god and we see that gift being bestowed on Jesus here in this passage and i believe that each one of us needs to experience that same gift and that it's a gift that god gives us when we come to the jordan when we come to the river well as we wrap things up this morning i wonder i wonder if you have a jordan story i wonder if there's a distinct move that you have made in the direction of God's invitation for your life at some point. And I wonder how God met you there. And I also wonder if any of you are in that place now where God is inviting you to make a move in response to his calling. Perhaps a little move or perhaps a big move. I'd like to to close with a brief story. I made a pretty big career change a number of years ago. I I was an academic uh, who studied and wrote about American history, specifically American food history. I had found my niche in American food history. And that was great. Um, God blessed those years richly. His hand was upon those years. I, I look back and I see his hand upon those years. But at some point it became clear to me that he had something different for me, something else, something more for me. And so this shift uh, happened in my career. It did not take place overnight. It was gradual. I would say it took about two years. But there was this one very distinct moment that I'll never forget. God had very clearly put it on my heart to sell my food history books. I had a pretty extensive collection of food history books lining my apartment. I was very proud of this collection that I had built over a number of years. Um, But in many ways, my identity had become wrapped up in this collection of books. I had let these books and the knowledge that they contained really define me. And God put it on my heart to sell these books. And you know what? I couldn't do it. I couldn't sell the books. But I remember the night that I realized I could take them down from the shelves and put them in boxes and pack them in my closet. And so I did. I packed them into boxes and I put them in my closet. And a few months later as I was going through things in my closet, I realized I didn't really miss these books. So I took a few boxes out of the closet and I brought them to a bookstore. a used bookstore and got rid of them and then some more a few days later, a few weeks later, and and then I eventually moved, and that was the emphasis to just get rid of the rest. And and to this day, I don't miss those books because they aren't what my life is about anymore. Is there a move you are being called to make, a move in the direction of God's invitation for your life, something that you can do that's concrete, That's perhaps prophetic. Is there a move you can make that will free you to walk in the way of Jesus? As we each set out on our journey to the cross, God invites us first to make a journey to the Jordan. That's where the journey to the cross starts. And as surely as the Father met Jesus at the banks of the Jordan River, I believe he wants to meet each one of us there too. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the journey of Jesus to the cross because we recognize that it is our salvation. And we also recognize that it is an invitation to a cruciform life, a cross-shaped life, the life that you have for each one of us. A life that leads to the cross but that eventually leads to resurrection. We thank you that death does not have the last word for us but eternal life, resurrection life, abundant life. And we pray that you would help us to live in that life, to live into that life, to obey your commands, to um, give our shirt, our extra shirt to the one who could use it, to share our food with those who are hungry, and to look to the one who baptizes not with water but with the holy spirit who invites us to walk with him we wish to walk with you jesus we thank you that this journey to the jordan and this journey to the cross and this journey to the empty tomb is not one that we are called to walk alone we thank you that you have walked before us that you walk with us and so i pray for my brothers and sisters lord as they think about what their journey to the Jordan looks like and what invitation you have for them this morning and whether there is a move that you're calling them to make, a kind of a baptism, a a stepping into the water, a a stepping onto the, the road to Jordan. Lord, what is that? Would you give us the courage to respond to the invitation that you give us each this morning, whatever that invitation might look like? Help us to have ears to hear what you are saying to the Spirit in us. And help us to have the courage to obey, the strength to obey, the grace to obey. We honor you. We look to you. We put our trust in you, Jesus. And we thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com.